Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eli Cooper, joined by my other co-host, Mike Badzik. How's it going, Mike? Hey, what's up, man? Another episode. Excited to be here. We got a new logo behind you this time. Yeah. New podcast logo. New logo. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. New uh, logo for uh, our specific podcast. And as you can see, Mike is still rocking the All In Network po- uh, logo, which this podcast is brought to you by. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, coming off our last episode, uh, first time on YouTube. Uh, had a very good, um, you know, amount of views and still uh, a lot of you guys tuned in on the audio versions as well. So thank you guys again for all the support um, so far. We got some, you know, exciting new things to talk about as well. Um, we mentioned at the end of our last show, we have All In with Rain and Bliss, um, which is a new podcast coming to the All In Network. They will be airing uh, June 16th. So make sure you guys follow them on Twitter at All In Rain and Bliss, um, and you know get updates. They'll be releasing like previews of their shows and things like that shortly. So stay tuned for that stuff. Mike, what else do we got going on? Well, we've also got the website AllInNetwork.net where we've got our articles we're posting. Um, I had wrote one about white privilege last week with everything going on, and then you just wrote one about. Drew Brees and, and his comments and why they're so problematic. So those are both really, really, uh, we put a lot of thought into those. So if you want to go check those out, we, we appreciate it. The, the people that have checked them out have given us good feedback. So uh, we like that. Um, and then we're also, this week probably, I'm going to have our first NBA draft big board posted on there. Uh, so we're going to be doing that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to do the rankings. I'm going to post my big board. And then Wednesday's pod we're going to do our first mock draft um, for the NBA draft. So you can look forward to that. We'll have Eli. Probably we'll have a guest on. So we're looking forward to doing that. We're going to kind of do a fake fake lottery and do a mock draft. So we're excited about that. That's going to be on the website. So a lot's going on with the website as well as uh, the podcast and the, the YouTube page and all that. Speaking of guests, today's guest is a special one. Um, he is a frat uh, fraternity brother of my dad's. Uh, he has a cool new book out called My Cash Value is King, and he's here to talk about it here today. So let's bring in Jeff Moore. All right, so we're back, and here he is, Jeff Moore, here with us to uh, discuss. <laughs> yes, the Jeff Moore is here with us uh, to talk about some stuff. So uh, first, we want to get into, you know, there's a lot that's been going on um, around the world, especially following um, the unjust murder of uh, George Floyd in Minnesota. And, you know, it sparked a lot of controversy and, and even some change uh, so far. Not a, not a ton, but a little bit. Um, all four of our officers have now been charged, uh, bumped his murder charge to second degree. So, you know, that's kind of where we wanted to start first, Jeff, is, you know, what's your you know, opinion on things that are going on and, um, you know, your, your perspective on, you know, what's been happening lately. Well, first of all, thank you guys for welcoming me on your podcast. I uh, take it as an honor. Um, and, um, one of the things I would like to just start off with say is 
you know, it's a, it's a tragic situation, you know, you know, how that all went down and more devastating the fact that we were able to watch it. Um, and it. And it made me think about how many other people, how many other black men, how many other black women were tragically killed and we didn't have the video. Um, so, you know, much has changed, much has not, but I'm very encouraged. Um, I'm encouraged because this is the first time in my lifetime that I've seen a diverse amount of people come together for one cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's the most powerful message is that we are the human race. You know, it's not a black race. It's not a white race. It's not a Hispanic race. It's not a Chinese race. It's one race. It's like the human race. And it's like, we need to get back to the biggest problem, the biggest incident, the biggest issue that's playing in America right now. And that's the lack of compassion. We don't have any compassion. Compassion is like eroding the earth right now. And that is the thing um, that I'm most concerned about. And that's the thing that I feel that we have this moment of time, that this moment of time right here, right now, that we can seize the moment as a collective people to introduce compassion back to humanity. Mm-hmm. And I agree a hundred percent. You know, I think that's like, um, you know, the biggest like surprise to me is how much the, I don't know if we want to call it a narrative, but like how different things have been like, you know, over the last four years, I don't think like, we would have seen something like we saw Tuesday with the blackout Tuesday thing. And um, as many people, you know, saying black lives matter and things like that. And, you know, that used to be. One of the things that we got to do as black folks, we can't fall for like the banana and the tailpipe. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, we get wow, wow, wow. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of days later, you know, things get back to normal and then racism gets to, you know, rear its ugly head all over again Mm -hmm. because we keep falling for the same tactics over and over and over again. So that's why I'm encouraged that the younger generation, that your generation will not make some of the mistakes and some of the same mistakes that our generation made because we, in some regards, was complacent in our action, whereas you, uh, I'm like really encouraged with the young with the generations Y and Z because you guys are like, no, nah, I'm not taking this no more. And you guys are like, I want to do something to change. I want to use whatever voice I have, whatever platform I have. I, I got to do something because I know that I'm one person and I can make a difference. I love that kind of energy and I love that kind of enthusiasm that I'm seeing happen on a daily basis. And I'm encouraged by that. Yeah, and this this kind of does feel a little bit different than some of the other protests we've had in the last, I mean, really going back to the Ferguson um, protest, that was like a really big one. But then this, it, it kind of feels a little different. And if when you go to these protests, so I was at one of the protests and, you know, it's really, it's 50% white people, 50% black people. It's a collective thing. I think everyone's kind of on board. And where, where I really think it's different and has a potential to make a lot of change, like you say, is I'm not sure that we're going to be able to, to remove this from our mind anytime soon. 
when you when you watch the video, it's so tragic. It's I mean, it's it's a mo it's a modern day lynching, right? And it, we're seeing it before our eyes. There's no way that we're just gonna move on from that yeah. so quickly. So I, think it's, I think it's worse than a yeah. modern day lynching in the sense that that officer murdered him right. with no regard. And he didn't even care that it was being recorded. He had no regard for anything. He showed no remorse. He showed no decency just for humankind. I mean, like, how could you erase that imagery out of your mind when, when someone just operates in such recklessness? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you get how do you get over that? Like, what do you tell your kids? Yeah. Like, what do you tell What do you tell your coworker? Like, what do you tell the people that you that you have relationships with when they right. when they watch that brutal killing? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's devastating, man. And honestly, and I, I understand the kind of pain that that man went through too before he died to have all of the blood circulation cut off from from your heart and all the oxygen eliminated to get to your brain. That's you die in a terrible way. That is a terrible way to die. So you're right. We shouldn't let that imagery. Uh, leave our, our, our that, that image, and, and that should give us the extra fuel to continue to fight the in this demonic thing that we are living in called racism. Yeah, mm -hmm. well said. And I think the biggest thing that we have to combat in this is like the financial aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like this is more than just you know what I mean. Getting people to regular people to not be racist. It's it's like, you know what I mean? Black people becoming more financially literate and putting their money behind this and, and getting more black owned business and supporting those things. So, you know, talk about that a little bit to, you know, what the black community can do more, you know, from a financial aspect to kind of, you know, do better in this and, and kind of combat, you know, the whole systematic oppression that we've, you know, been facing. Absolutely. And that's when I was saying that, you know, we can't fall for the banana and the tailpipe. Because mm -hmm. the banana in the tailpipe has been, we march, 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 you know, mm -hmm. we make a little bit of noise, and then we take out one point, almost seven trillion dollars that we are spending in the economy, and we keep feeding this system called racism. So right. if we want to stop this system called racism, we have to, one, get control of our dollar back. Because when you understand what America was built upon, America was built upon capitalism. America is built on greed. America is, is built on a dollar. So you got to hit America with a system that America operates on. And that is in the money. That is in the pocketbook. That is about getting control of your dollars and about having a collective action is about having a collection of a movement to have your dollars to do the things that you needed to do for your sustainability and that's the issue that i don't want us to lose focus of because we have this buy black movement but how long is it going to last you know the last yeah. time we looked at history when we had to get control of our dollars it was during the montgomery bus boycott and we we in essence kept control of our dollars for 381 days and we basically forced the system of racism to crumble because it didn't have our dollars. So if you want to really fight and be effective with racism, you got to get control of your money and stop 
feeding the system of racism. Just like case of point, the NFL realized it had a problem when Drew Brees yeah. right? So when right, Drew Brees yep. said, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, I ain't even going to repeat the nonsense that he said. <laughs> when, when he said it, you know, the, the collective dollar voices of the in, in the NFL, which is, is, is stars, they was like, yo, if you don't make some changes and do some things and combat the issues that he's talking about, then we're going to have a problem because we might take our dollars and we might take our talents and we might take our skill sets and we might make it difficult for you to make money. And then what did the NFL do? Say, whoa, don't mess with the money. Right, right. Don't mess with our money. So what do we need to do so we can combat this issue so we don't mess with our capitalistic dollars? And what did they do? They came out and issued an apology. They came out and said, hey, we got it wrong. They came out and said, please forgive us. So if you want to have impact, you got to get control over this money that right. fuels the system that we live in. We, can, we have so much power in our dollars, we can eliminate our problems overnight if we collectively use our money as leverage. And that's one of the things that we have been slow to do. That's the thing right now we're getting, quote unquote, woke about right now is how we're going to use our economic dollars to make racism go away. Because if you understand the system of capitalism, you gotta you gotta kill the root of what spreads the, the 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 white privilege, and that is control over the dollars. Black folks are the only folks right now that don't have no control of the dollar. We we substantially take care of every other race of people without economic clout. We have the the latest statistic that I read that I read that I remember is the seventh largest economy in the world, not in America, but in the world, the largest wow. economy, but we have nothing to show for it. We don't have no ownership. We don't have no influence. We don't have no clout. We don't utilize it to mobilize in a political system. We don't uh, uh, to utilize it to build better schools for ourselves. We don't utilize it to build better political affiliations for our, for our, for our people. So that's the thing that we need to get the, the, the literacy about mm -hmm. so we understand what's going on with our money so we'll know what to do. So if we want to be in a movement to collectively uh, 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 eradicate this thing about racism, you got to hit the system that makes the system operate. And that is the M-O-N-E-Y, as you young folks affectionately <laughs> money. Yeah, and you know, I think that's a, a, a great point. And it's, you know, to kind of transition a little bit, it's like kind of, it's a lot of what your book is about. Um, you know, when, especially in the early parts, you know, you talk about your upbringing and how, you know, that impacted, you know, what you learned about money growing up. Versus North what Philly, you, right? you know learned. Yeah. North Philly in the house. That's right. I, I, like, I liked how I liked how you put it. You said I'm from the real hood, not the rap hood. That's right. The real hood. <laughs> <laughs> Ampel Street, Twenty Second Montgomery Avenue. It don't get no, it don't get no more realer than that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so talk about that a little bit. You know, and what you had to go through in order to gain that kind of you know financial literacy. Well, I, I tell you, you know, growing up. I ain't even going to say I grew up poor. I grew up, you know, we had the, 
the other O and the R on, on the, other, the other two O's and the R on their way. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we had to work collectively just to get the poor. You know what I mean? And, right. and it's funny because it was it was times, you know, I'm the youngest of eight kids. And, you know, and, and, and oftentimes, you know, um, the upbringing and the money situation, it, it didn't flow as it was supposed to flow because we didn't have the information that when we got the money, what we should do with the money when we got it. And it wasn't because that we were, you know, no one ever really gave us a game plan on when you get the money, what you do with the money when you get it. So it had a perpetual a cycle that we got into lack that immobilized us to kind of experience the kind of financial joys as a family that we wanted because we didn't know any better. We didn't have any, we didn't have any blueprint. We didn't have a system. We didn't have any kind of process that we were supposed to take our money through that we can kind of enjoy the kind of benefits or enjoy the fruits of the hard work that, you know, my, my mom parents had to do, mom and dad had to do to bring money in the household. So that was a, the, the first and the foremost, the biggest thing. And then when you grew up in a situation when, 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 when you were in a depressed area, you know, that kind of magnified things, you know, uh, 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 more. Um, but I was fortunate enough that I played chess and chess took me out the hood. Chess gave me some exposure. Chess, chess showed me some different things that um, how money lived, I would like to to it as um, and how other people with money live and that sparked an awakening in me to say yo life is bigger than North Philly like life has more opportunity than North Philly like North Philly is going to give me my street grits but North Philly is not going to be able to give me the financial grits that I need so I need to get some exposure and I need to get some I need to get some learning and I need to get some understanding because if you want something that you never had you got to be willing to do some things that you've never done so I kind of got indoctrinated with and I can remember one thing that my dad told me as I was starting my first day of school I was the youngest of eight kids and the first kid to go to college and I remember when my dad dropped me off at Penn State he said, I'm not coming back up here till you graduate because the ride is too long and I don't want to be driving through all of these little hillbilly towns. I can remember him saying that. And the second thing he said to me was that you're going to discover your genius when you take your book skills and you mesh them with your street skills. He said, that's when you're going to become unstoppable. So go up here and get all these book skills that you need to learn, and then you mesh them with your, your street skills, and then you'll be able to be the change and be the influence that you want to see in the world. Yeah, and it, like when you mentioned there that it's all about making money, and then you don't really know what to do with it when you, when you get it. Like That's one of the tough things about when you're young. So... And you talk about this in your book, but what are what are some of the worst and most dangerous lies and misperceptions that the media portrays that that, that you think are, are right? Yeah. Yeah. The floor is yours. The floor is yours. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that they tell you to do. Um, one of the biggest lies. I mean, one of the biggest hustles. One of the biggest misnomers that they tell you guys to do 
is fund your 401k plan. That is one of the biggest hookups that the government has brainwashed and the financial institutions have brainwashed people that they're going to have a sizable nest egg for retirement. So when you understand what's going on, you know what to do. So let me take you back a little bit on why the 401k first got started. The 401k plan was started back in the late 70s, early 80s, 1978 to be exact, if my memory doesn't uh, fail me. 78, corporations wanted to give their executive an incentive to kind of save money on taxes. So they came up with this 401k plan because the top tax bracket was over 70% back in those times. So the tax bracket was over 70%. I'm gonna say that again over 70%. So every dollar that was, that you made back in that time, the government was like, yo, I got you got me for 70% of that money. But I'm going to give you some write-offs. I'm going to give you some deductions that you can lessen that bite with. So the 401k was really an incentive for executives to kind of save tax money in the 70s to defer it at a later date because they say when you get the money back out on the deferral, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. Taxes were high. So now, fast forward the clock, 40, 50 years, taxes are at the lowest point that they've ever been in American history. So why would you defer taxes on money that you want to make now to an unknown tax bracket, an unknown tax rate in the future, and the government is in 20, almost $26 trillion of debt. Why would anyone in their right mind do that strategy? Why? Because what we're, to we're told to, right? Like, that's what they tell us. They say, this is, hey, sign up right now, 401k. How much you want to contribute? You know what the biggest problem that man, mankind faces right now? Man doesn't think. Because if you thought about it, if you just thought about what I just said to you, why would you, why would you defer money into the future to an unknown tax bracket and the government is in $26 trillion of debt and the government's primary source of income is taxation? Like, why would you do that? And that's one another thing you talk about in your book, too, is and when you do that, you kind of it's, – it's almost blind. You don't even know what's going on with your money. It's something you talk about is keeping control and keeping it visible. You lose, you lose all control because that money is not even yours. You got to go beg and petition the government to get your own money. Think about that for a minute. You, you defer you, – you, you created this whole big pile of money for the government, and then, oh, my God, you got a real estate deal that came on, and you need some money that you got to get access to it and then you got to go get permission from the government to get your own money. And guess what? If they gave you the, your own money, they're going to penalize you for getting your own money. And then you're going to have to pay the taxes. So, like, when you think about that, where does that make – where is that a good strategy? Like, where does that make sense? Yeah. So why do people do it? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and I think if you think about it, like the pandemic kind of exposed the flaw in that as well. I mean, I know 
just amongst like people I know, a lot of people like saw their 401ks like dropping a significant amount, you know, with, with everything that was going on. And it kind of was like, you know, I thought this was supposed to be stable. You know what I mean? This is where, you know what I mean? When it was, I was supposed to be putting it here because this is what you guys told me to do. Let me give you some game right now. Let me give you some game right now. You ready for this? This free game alert right now. You remember that little thing called <laughs> DJ Collins? Free game alert! Free game alert right now, right? The 401k is nothing more than legalized gambling. You assume all of the risk. Let me say that again. You, if you're funding a 401k, you are legally gambling. It's like you down in Atlantic City on a roulette table, is or you at uh, Vegas and you at the blackjack table and you got seventeen and 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 you're and the dealer got a a, a a face card showing up and you don't know if you need to hit or you don't need to know if you should stay. That's what the four hundred one k is all about. And the financial institutions love it because they get the, the opportunity to collect all of the fees and pass all of the risks to you. It is, a, it is the biggest hustle in American society right now. Hustle. Yeah. Hustle. Yeah. Financial. Hustle. Yeah. I know y'all know y'all y'all can understand that kind of lingo, right? It's a hustle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to understand what's going on so you'll know what to do. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's more than one way, you know, to acquire wealth and accumulate wealth. And the 401k is not the only way, but it's the way for more Americans because Americans, one, don't think. And number two, Americans are lazy. They got caught up in the, oh, I'm just going to have it deducted right out of my check. And I, right. and I ain't got to worry about it. I can just set it and forget it. No, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. Right. So what are some alternatives then? If I'm if I'm not going to contribute that out of my check, where maybe should I be putting it somewhere else? The best place you can put your money, the absolute best place to put your money, especially while you're young, you guys got young, you got time on your side. The best place to put your money is in, per, listen to me now, listen to me now, permanent, whole life, cash value, dividend paying, life insurance from a mutual company and here's why here's why say, say that again all the say that all that one all the whole thing again let me write that down <laughs> the best place yeah. to put your money i think absolute best place to put your money is in cash value whole life dividend paying life insurance from a mutual insurance company and here's why the life insurance company, who is the granddaddy of all financial institutions. When I tell you the granddaddy of all financial institutions, it's like, it's like uh, life insurance is like the Rose Bowl. You know how they say the Rose Bowl is the <laughs> yeah. granddaddy of all right, bowl right, games? Right. Like that's the best bowl game to get invited to because they started this whole thing. And what happens is that an insurance company is going to say, we're going to make some money. We're going to give you a dividend. We're going to share every dollar that we make with you. And we got a history. We got a track record of over 100 years 
of giving and making money. When the depression happened, we made money and we paid it to our policyholders. When World War I happened, we made money and we paid it to our policyholders. When World War II happened, we made money and we paid it to our policyholders. When Y2K, you remember, you guys are young enough to remember Y2K. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we made money and we paid money to our policyholders. 2008, when the stock market crashed and everything went to hell, and the federal government had to bail out the automobile industry, the banking industry, they bailed your mama out, your daddy out, your cousin out, they bailed everybody out. But guess what? The granddaddy of them all made money and they paid it and shared it with their policyholders in a dividend. So they saying is that whenever we make money, you're going to make money and it's risk free. You don't have to be looking and, 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 and legalizing and gambling with your money. We're going to give you a guaranteed interest rate. We're going to give you a guarantee that we're going to put money in your account every year. And as we make more money, we're going to share more money with you. It is the best place that you can put money because it has no risk. No risk. And then as you build the money in that plan, you can you have access to that money. And you don't have to call the government and ask them for permission to get your own money like you do in your 401k. You can use that money to go and buy some. Hey, stock market fell. Oh, you got some money in your cash account. Oh, you can take that money in your cash account and go buy some stocks while the stock market is low and, and get that money back and then put the money back in your account so you can use it again. So when the real estate market comes, you got a cash account that you can utilize to go buy some depressed assets. It is the best place that you can put your money because it's guaranteed to perform. You get a contract that says, we make money, you're going to make money, and we got receipts. Insurance mm -hmm. companies got receipts. You know what they say? Oh, I'm coming and I'm bringing receipts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yo, we got receipts. What's up now? What's yeah, up? Yeah. Let, let me see your let me see your receipts. Four hundred one k. Let me see right. your receipts. So that's, that's I believe that that's one of that's your foundation. But you gotta you gotta have some things in play as well, and that's why in the book. I have this rule called the 10, 10, 10, 50, 30, 50, 20 rule. That's the process of when you make money, how you make money, how you keep money, so you can borrow money, so you can have money to spend throughout all aspects of your life. So you got to cop the book and you got to yeah. hop, you know, you mark that journal, you graffiti that part of the book because that's going to be the process that's going to get that money on your side of the coin and not on the corner of the side of the financial institution. Because when you understand what's going on, you will know what to do. And that's what I'm passionate about is getting all of you guys to understand what's going on with your money. Because as you get more understanding and more power and more control of your money, you'll be able to position that money so it can be on the side that's going to be helping you instead of position your money like a lot of people are doing right now that's hurting them. Yeah, it's it's an absolute must read for anybody tuning in right now. Um, I had my chance to read it. My dad actually got the book first. And as you know, your, your frat brother, Rob Cooper, um, who was it was actually his idea for us to um, you know bring you on and as soon as he read it 
like the first thing he was telling like me and my my brothers was like yo like invest in life insurance you know what i mean go get life insurance especially while you guys are young you know what i mean because you'll you'll get the best rates then and things like that and he also and you'll get to have that compound interest work in your advantage it's like for, for, you get interest on top of principal and interest on top of principal Man, the longer you have it, the better it gets. But I want to make one correction for you. It's not an investment. You can't lose money. True. Good point. Coop didn't have any more questions about the book. So something that I think young people, like when I have conversations with us, like a lot of us just graduated college and we're making money for the first time, you know, and it comes with that is we have a lot of debt, right? Student debt. You know, whatever you buy a car when you when you graduate, and something me and my wife talk about a lot too. So, how do you kind of manage? I want to save money. I want to be throwing it at these, you know, life insurance accounts, but I also want to pay down debt. Is there a formula you use, or maybe that's in the book? You don't want to spell it. I look at it like this: a lot of people make the mistake where they pay everybody, and then they try to save what's left over. Right. And you got to flip that. Like when you get money. And your first thing that you need to do is you need to position your money so you can be in a place where, like, you go back to the 10-10. The first 10%, you, you tied off for that first 10%. <clears throat> and that next 10%, you go to pay you because who are you working for? You. Who you work for? Myself, really. Ah, yeah, yeah. so why are you paying yourself last? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Huh? So when you get that debt, you know, the, the second thing is you got to, when you, when you look at that 10, 10, 10, 50, 20, that's going to be the blueprint on how you're going to eradicate the debt that's in your portfolio right now. Because a lot of times we don't have a problem with paying off bills. We have a problem with overspending. A lot of us each month, we overspend because we don't have tracers or trackers on our money because we just spend, spend, spend. And then we look up and we like, Damn, where, where my money at? Where all my money right. go? Yeah. You understand? So then you're trying to save money after you didn't pay all your bills and then pay your student bills, student loans, and then you got a little bit of money that you're trying to get left over and it doesn't work that way. So you got to get your budget fine-tuned. You got to make sure that your living accommodations, when you got your rent or you got your mortgage, that that's got to be no more than 50% of all the, of, of, you got to allocate 50% for your house and your transportation and your food. You can't overspend on the necessities because if you overspend in the small categories, it's gonna eat up and it's gonna put additional financial pressures on the big categories and that's the debt. And another thing I like to say is you have to employ all avenues of getting out of non-deductible debt. Non-deductible debt is your enemy. That is your financial enemy. Because if you have a credit card and you got 15% interest rate on that credit card, every month that you carry a balance on that credit card and you give that financial institution that 15% interest, you lose the right because you're carrying that balance to earn interest on that money that you pay in the financial institution forever. It's gone. So you want to be able to put yourself into a situation that at the end of the month, you pay off what you spend, and you got to control your money that you don't overspend in areas that you accumulate additional debt. I just read a statistic right now that says Americans are in over a hundred 
trillion dollars of credit card debt. Wow. That's a lot of money. So you gotta get you gotta get the you gotta get the rent out of your your money management, and that's debt. That's non-deductible debt. Right. That is the enemy. And not paying yourself first is the enemy. Those are the two biggest things that I would like to tell young Americans after you get your whole life insurance is to pay yourself first and, and do any and everything to suppress your lifestyle to get out of non-deductible debt. You don't need to be hanging out with your boy going to happy hours every Friday. <laughs> you don't need to be doing it. Right. You, 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 you ain't gotta be you ain't gotta be going out to eat to lunch at every restaurant for lunch five days a week. You don't have to do that. You gotta get control over the money that's coming in under your management. Because here's a financial principle. Once you get control over the money that you have under your management, you'll get some more. Right. More free game. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing uh, that I wanted to touch on, um, you know, that as far as the life insurance and, and putting your money into that is it's it's kind of a way that you can help combat, you know, the, the unjust killings and things like that that we have. So could you go into depth a little bit about like how that, you know, would end up impacting? Imagine if all of the people, uh, I can't remember how many names, how many peoples and killings that they've been in the last five years. But could you imagine if all of them had a, a large sizable amount of life insurance on their lives? Yeah. Do you think the insurance companies will call the police department and be like, yo, y'all messing with my money over here. Don't you think that that, that will become a financial advocate for you? That yeah. they, will, they, will, wow, yeah. they will start to change some of the laws and use some of their influence and use their lobbyists to petition to make laws and favor to help protect them and the people that they serve? The problem is we don't have that. And then our families, not only do we suffer the emotional grief, then we suffer the financial grief because there's no replacement of income that's coming back into the family. So on one hand, we deal with all this emotional trauma that we're dealing with having a senseless murder. And then on the other hand, we're dealing with the economic trauma because the money, the income replacement is one of the factors and the features of life insurance and what it serves and serves is to replace income is gone. So the insurance companies will place a demand on the city governments, on the state governments, and the federal government to stop messing up their money. Yep. So that's why I carry human life value. I can't get no more insurance on my life right now. And human life value is nothing more than economic replacement. It's salary replacement that if a cop tried to take me out of here, my family just had to deal with the emotional grief, but they would not have to deal with the financial grief. And then they will have the money to go out and hire the best attorneys to go out and serve justice on my behalf. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't yeah. lose with the cash value life insurance I use. It is all around protection. 
it's going to force the insurance companies to be a financial advocate for you, for your family, for your community, for your business. Whatever you involved in, they will be automatically forced to be a financial advocate on your behalf because they are going to make a contract to do what is, it's going to make it, how you guys, you young guys say, it's going to make it do what it do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, um, and that's, and that's really the, the biggest part of the book, um, you know, is, is, is getting into that and the benefits of it and things like that. Uh, so it starts with mindset. We talk about the book is all it's really broke down in three phases. It's broken yep. down into mindset, it's broken down into money, and it's broken down into cash value life insurance. Because you gotta have the mindset to be able to have a new attitude and a new perspective on how you're gonna view your money. Because as a man, because as a woman thinketh, so are they. So you're favorite parts of the book is all the affirmations you had uh, at the end so that's another reason to buy this book is all of those and they're really helpful too and um, you know maybe it's gonna have to be something that you do repeatedly it's like a you know wake up in the morning and, and read these affirmations um, I am great brother I'm successful yeah. I'm an outside yeah. the box thinker you know I got good energy 
you know, I have a, a positive attitude. I'm peaceful. I, I got good energy. You know, you just say these things to yourself. I'm going to be the first millionaire in my family. You just say these things to yourself over and over and over and watch how your life starts to change. I'm going to develop a strategy that's going to make me some passive income. I'm going to have more money than I have bills at the end of the month. You got to start to talk to yourself like you, you know, you're feeling it. What you say to yourself when you talk to yourself matters. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Can't change, you know, can't change anything before you change your mindset first. You have to there put yourself no in that mindset. Yep. 100%. Yeah, well, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great, great book. Um, My Cash Value is King, Building a Tax-Free Income Now for Financial Legacy Later. I read it in one sitting. I'm probably going to read it again and again and again to keep just keeping those things in my mind. I got mine on Amazon. Where else can you can you get a copy, Jeff? You can get it off of Amazon. And if um, um, I'm I'm waiting on some copies, I got some special copies made that um you know people will be able to autograph. Uh, that I'll be able to autograph for people if they want to have a, a personal autograph. Um, they'll be on my website um, as as soon as I receive them. My website is uh, morestrategy.com. That's M O O R E S T R A T E G Y dot com because you need more strategy in your life and i'm a great strategist because i'm a chess player so i'm always thinking about strategy and how to help you to maximize your money and how to put you in a position that you can use your money on the on the board so that you can win the game and that's the game of being able to keep control over your money to your to you take your very last breath so that's what that's all about you can follow me on my facebook uh pages which is jeff moore or you can also follow me on instagram which is it, Jump for More Success. And I'm sure you guys will put all that stuff in, into your show notes. All, oh, yeah, all of it. All <laughs> yeah, of it. yeah, we'll, we'll certainly do that. And I, I got to say myself, it's, it's absolutely a must-read. Again, agreed with Mike. I, I read it in one sitting as well. I got the paper copy. I got it downloaded onto my iPad through the Kindle. Um, and, I, so, I made, and I just want to jump in. I wrote this book specifically so it could be an easy read. I didn't want to give any complex like financial jargon to get people yeah. lost. I just wanted to make sure that you get three big things out of the book. The three biggest takeaways is like, yo, get control of your mindset. Like your mindset matters. Like you are what you think about. Like, yo, that is so critical. No, and then after you get your mindset together, get control over your money. Get control of how to make the money maximize and work for you. And then as you get the money, the best place to put the money that's going to protect your money, that's going to grow your money, that's going to accumulate your money and be the most tax favorable for your money is cash value life insurance because you can't lose with the cash value life insurance I use. Those are the three principles and the three biggest takeaways that I wanted everyone to get out the book. And it doesn't matter if you're eight, if you're 80, if you're dumb, blind, crippled, or crazy. Ah, that's an old school reference. I know you young boys don't know about that right there. But it's cash value life insurance, baby. Yep. You're a Philly sports fan as well. Come on, you know, you know, you know, you know, I'm, you know I'm all Philly all day, every day. I'm a, I'm a four guyer, a four guy lifer. You know, I rock with the Phillies. I rock with the the Flyers. I'm a big Eagles fan, but the Sixers are my royal team. That's my big heart. Yeah. Right there. 
So I'm a four for four guy. Yeah. So, you know, quarantine for them at least is, is ending pretty soon. I think league starting back up July 31st. Uh, you think the Sixers have a chance? <sighs> he sounds like a Philly sports fan. <laughs> oh my! I've I've made that sigh so many times in my life. Like, you know, you know what, you know what the Sixers remind me of. The Sixers remind me of that girl. She's so fine. Like yo, she like the bomb dot com, but she just get on your dog on nerves. Yes. It's <laughs> just like. <laughs> but I really think I'm gonna keep it 100 with y'all. I don't. I'm a. I'm a diehard Sixers fan. I love the Sixers like crazy. Um, I go to a lot of games a year, but I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna win it until we get rid of our coach. I think we got the wrong coach for this team. I agree. Yeah, yeah Brett Brown. I don't think our coach. I don't think our coach have the right type of. tenacity to kind of get the guys to go from being good to great. I think he can, I think he could keep them to be good. Like we can, we could go to the playoffs and we might get lucky if the, if the ball bounced the right way to go to a, a, a championship series, but that's about it. I don't think, I don't think that the coach has the tenacity or the mentality or the grit to push these guys to go from being good to great. And that's what you need. And I think there's a lot of things about, uh, I don't think the Sixers, the way we are constructed right now, have the mindset to be great. And I think that's the reason why we lost Jimmy Butler, because he looked at these guys and said that we don't have the mindset to go from good to great because right. our leadership at the top of the board don't have it. And that's why he did it. And I'm, I, yeah. feel like, I feel like Embiid is going to be the next one to lead. Yeah. 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 And, you know, speaking of Embiid, you know, I think him and, him and Ben Simmons kind of have, they both want to dominate the paint. And I think that's like, you know, some of the things they haven't really figured out how to play together. Do you think there's a point in time where they can coexist? <laughs> no. <laughs> You can't have you can't have a six ten and a seven foot dominant permit perimeter players like where do they show me any team in the NBA right now that has that component yeah, where yeah. where do you have where do you have a six ten seven seven one like you know I'm gonna work on um fade fade away three pointer I'm gonna come down and pull up from the three like switch where, where you see that at. Yeah. And I think that comes from the top. I think this 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 hybrid kind of uh, 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 oh gosh, I forgot the coach name. Uh, Don Nelson. You remember Don Nelson? They used oh, to yeah. Have, yeah. And they used to have this like this 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 fun gun kind of offense kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was sexy, but you know, it never, it never, you know, win you the game. You know, when it when it comes down to, you know, defense wins championships, and you got to be able to have the grit to go to the next level to say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an exorbitant amount of pressure on this top player to make him have to work extra for him to get his, but at the same time, I'm gonna get mine as well. I just don't think that 
we just got that kind of coaching philosophy that's going to, you know, to do that. And 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 you having two a six foot and a seven foot guy on the perimeter trying to make hay is 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 clearly is demonstrative of that. I you know I would really like, but I don't think it ever would happen because I don't think we have the assets. But I would really like to see if the Sixers can pull off a trade and get Damian Lillard here to run the oh. two. And and I would be willing to give up MB or Simmons in the trade for that. Because you can't have two postmen right. that are seven foot that's dominating on the outside. You just can't. Yep. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Can you guys enlighten me? Because I've been trying to figure this out. I just don't understand what was the big fuss for our Horford. I don't understand, like, I don't understand what the philosophy yeah. was and the whole, you know, you know, acquiring, you know, our offer. I, I just don't yeah. I, I just don't I mean yeah. I like I like Al Horford for a player. I've really loved his his defensive tenacity. I love his grit. I love his work ethic. I just think he's in a wrong system. I think like yeah, absolutely. I, I think they got him playing like he's a fish, but they ain't giving him no water. Right. Yeah. I think the idea was well, he he guards and be better than anybody. So one, let's bring him to our team, and then we don't have to deal with that. And then they want to load up on size. So when really, did, did, did really Harford really guard and beat all that well? Ah. Really. Well, like, I mean, as well as you yeah, can, I mean, Embiid. Yeah, I. But, but Embiid still got his though, so he like yeah, he like yeah. he shut, he she didn't shut Embiid down. Embiid yeah, still yeah. got his. Right. So like, like why would you put him on this team the way it's constructed? Yeah, it hasn't worked out. And then, and they compounded it by giving him a four-year, like hundred million dollar deal, and he's already thirty-three. Like you're gonna be yeah. paying him twenty-five plus million at thirty-seven. You're not even you, – and there's no way you're trading that contract ever, you know, unless you get, like, a desperate team that's, no. that's you know, looking to take on salary for draft picks or something. But, like, there's – it's going to be extremely hard to ever move that contract when you ultimately you realize that it's not going to work. This is what you got to do. You got to go for it now. You got to put a package together. Like, you got to be like yeah. – you got to call Portland and be like, I'm going to give you uh, Al Horford – and uh, the oh my god, I wouldn't want to get rid of him, but I would just probably have to get rid of him. But I don't want to get rid of him. Al Horford and uh, dang, I just got his name that great. Uh, 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 Al Ford, what's our forward name? Uh, um, Tobias, uh, I would have to get rid of, I would put like Tobias, although I would not want to get rid of him, but this is the only way I think you can get it done. You got to get with uh, Tobias, Al Horford, and like three first round draft picks. And, yeah. and you call Portland and say, <laughs> and you call Portland and say, can we have Dave Lillard and, uh, and, and, and some expiring contract? Right, right. That's the only way that I can see that working. And then if you can have like, if you got a, a three of Embiid, Ben, and Dane Dash, <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to break up and beat in Simmons. A lot of people want to break up and beat in Simmons. I think a beat in Simmons can work without the coach. I think if you want yeah, a yeah. coach with a different philosophy, they can make that work because 
Because Ben Simmons reminds me a lot of Magic Johnson. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I say that all the time. And and I think that he has the, the capabilities. He has the the, uh, the the basketball IQ. And I think he has the tenacity to, to be able to move that offense. And the coach, if you put a new coach in here and put Embiid and let Embiid dominate the paint, and you have somebody like Dane, I mean, how could you stop that? Like, really, how could you stop yeah. that? It's like, pick your poison. Who, who's going to be the poison for tonight? You going to let Embiid dominate and get 40 and 10? You going to let Dane get, you know, 30 and, and, and 8? Or you going to let Ben get 25 and 15? Like, pick your poison. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, you, 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 uh, you, you ain't think the big money guy had basketball. <laughs> you? I know, I know. Trying to oh, no. Listen, uh, Philly, Philly is, you know, everybody from Philly knows about basketball. I, <laughs> I grew up with a Philly guy. He, everybody from Philly knows basketball. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. Maybe your next stop is uh, GM of the Sixers. Yeah. Um, the, I wouldn't want that guy. Yeah, that's a tough job. That, with that fan base, yeah. that's a that's a ton of pressure. I, I wouldn't want to be the GM. You know who I would want to be? Who? I want to be the owner. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Not negotiable. Yep. But I, I think I think Alton Brand. I think he has the basketball IQ to be a great general manager. Well, mm. I don't think he got no control. I still think yeah. it is uh, Coach Brown's – I think Coach Brown is running the whole organization behind the scenes. And that's why I don't think that we will ever win. And that's why I don't think that Jimmy Butler resigned with us because he saw what was going on. He was like, I want to be no parts of this right here. Yeah. And, you, and watch it, you best believe. MB is going to find a way to get to Miami and play with Jimmy Butler again. Yeah, that was his boy. Could yeah. you imagine if they kept that squad together? I, I want to know why. Like, you know it had to be something deep if Jimmy Butler wouldn't even entertain an offer from the Sixers. Like, they gave him next, and he was just like, no, I'm going somewhere else. Like, like what has to be happening in that locker room yeah. for the four horsemen and, for the four horsemen to go back on the old wrestling term to want to yeah. to break up? It's got to be the coach, man. Yep, yeah, yep. So, NBA coming back, who you got taking it all this year? One, I know everybody think it's going to be the Clippers and the Lakers in the Western Conference Championship, but I'm a shocky. One of those teams is going to get knocked out. Mm, I don't think okay. it's going to be the Clippers and the Lakers. I think it's going to be it's going to be an upset city, upset yeah. city. I want. I can't believe I'm saying this. Because you know I'm a real diehard Sixers fan. I tell you, I want the Lakers to win the championship. 
Yeah. The only, the, only why, <laughs> the only reason why I want the Lakers to win is because I'm a LeBron James fan. I like I like LeBron James. Yeah. I think that I think that uh, 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 he's really good for the game of basketball. I think he's like the perfect kind of ambassador that the game needs. And I really I want to see him win because he, he does so much for the game. He does so much for his community. He does so much for the players. I mean, you know, uh, I kind of admire that. Um, he's one of my favorite basketball players. So I'm rooting for him. I'm kind of torn because um, I want to see Lou Williams at the Clippers, you know, yeah. get, get a ring. Because um, I like Lou. I was mad that the Sixers let him go, but that's a different story. Um, so I'm rooting kind of rooting for Lou. But one of them teams are not one of them, the Lakers or the Clippers. That's not going. They're not going to come out the West. Somebody's going to get upset. I don't know which one of them is. <laughs> I said I'm rooting for LeBron, but it will be an epic uh, Western Conference uh, uh, championship if the if the Lakers and the Clippers play. And I think the Sixers, unfortunately, is not going to make it either. Um, well, a lot of people are picking them to come out of the East to maybe to maybe give a, a shot, a push. Um, but I think that. Um, uh, I don't think that we have the mental tenacity to, to get over the hump this year, sadly. And, and, and I say that as a proud Sixers fan. And in some, in some regards, I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I kind of want them to lose so they can get rid of Brett Brown. <laughs> I know I shouldn't that's say that. <laughs> I know I shouldn't say yeah. that. I know that's a bad thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm going to I want the Sixers to lose so they can get rid of Brett Brown. Um, but I think – I don't think that um, – I don't think Boston's coming out of the East. Um, no. I don't think – I don't know. The East is wide open, and that's the thing that makes me. Is it? Mad. Yeah. Because it's like I don't really think Milwaukee got it. You Must know, be Toronto. Toronto. Like this is a this is this is a perfect this is a perfect like lineup for us to go to the championship this year. Yeah. But we don't still have can't see it happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, because like you know, how many how many times do you see Brett Brown get out coached last year? I mean, especially when you're talking about playoffs, it's just too many to count, man. How many times? The last how many few. times did you see last year? Oh, that's not just like last year in the playoffs. We ain't gonna talk about the whole year. But when you saw his yeah. rotation, you like, why? What? Are, what's going on? Like, why are these guys out here playing? How many times yeah. did you do that? How many times did you almost break your TV last year in the playoffs? <laughs> how many times? Too many times to count, man. Too many times. <laughs> oh gosh. So, 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 uh, you know, that's crazy. So what do you guys think? Who do you think, who do you, who do you think is going to come out of the, the East? Probably Milwaukee. I, I, I like Philly maybe more than anybody else. I mean, I'm a Toronto fan, actually, so I, I'm biased towards them because um, I'm from Pittsburgh, so we don't have a, a team there. Um, so I, I like Milwaukee just because they have Giannis, and he's the best player by far. So, I, oh, I think probably you? them. Excuse me? Who's the best player before? Giannis is the best player in the East. Giannis is the best player in the East? Who, who's better? JoJo's better first than Giannis. 
maybe. I mean, back to back MVP. Come on. If Joe, if, if JoJo, if JoJo had a coach that could yes. kick in the right direction, JoJo would be the best player in the NBA. Because he got all of the skills. He got all of the talent. He could go inside. He could go outside. He got a dribble. He plays defense when he wants to. And that's what a good coach would bring out, that all-around yeah. game. And he could be the most dominant, effective player in the he, – he could be almost like – he could be almost AI stature here in Philly. Well, I hope he does. Yeah. But he's not yet. <laughs> If JoJo's hitting his jump shot just like AI, you can't stop him. When AI was hitting his jump shot, you couldn't stop AI. Mm -hmm. If JoJo can come down and hit that jump shot, you can't stop him because you can't guard him. You can't guard him. You can't play up close to him because he, he got speed to run right around you. And you can't you can't play back of him because he can hit the J. Yeah. yeah. Giannis ain't got no jump shot. If you stop Giannis from going to the basket, he's done. He's an average yeah. player. Yeah, and Toronto did that last year in the playoffs, so we'll see. Why I think Philly's they, equipped it. Why you think that they didn't win? Yeah, Giannis yeah. got to get a yeah. jet. Giannis yeah, needs a jet. Giannis needs yep. a jet. Giannis get a jet. Woo! Yeah. That's scary. That's scary. Giannis with a jump shot. Woo! Yeah. I, I honestly don't even know who to pick out of the East. It's like, because I, I don't trust the Bucks. You know, it's like, who do you trust? I don't trust any you of know? them. I don't trust any of them. Yeah, like, you know, because especially what we just talked about, like Giannis sh showed a lot of flaws. Like, and there's teams that can stop him from getting to the basket in the East. You know, the, the Raptors can still do it. The Heat can still do it. You know what I mean? Dude, so watch out like, for Boston, though, man. Yeah, and, and yeah. Jason Tatum's a killer. I know. We got to watch out for balls. I hate coming late games. Uh, late games, ball in his hands, anything. You know what I mean? Those kind of games can go Now, now check this out. Wouldn't it be great if the Sixers and the Celtics was in the championship for the East and the Lakers and the Clippers was in the West? Wouldn't I don't be, think the NBA could ever be happier. Watch? Yeah, right. Huh? I think Adam Silver would have a stroke. But I'm just saying, <laughs> if he got that watch? final four. That would be fun that to would watch. Be, yeah, incredible to watch. It was a, the battle of LA versus Sixers Celtics, one of the most like popular rivalries. It would be, yeah. it would be the History. two most televised series probably in the history in the in the NBA. Right, and at a time like this where they when they're not going to have fans, <laughs> they might try to push for that. They might they might tell the refs we need this to happen. You know what? I think I'm gonna hit up FanDuel and, and put my money down on that now. It's been a while since we've seen that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think that's it, Mike. Do you have anything else? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I had. Um, yeah, you want to give you want to give a. Do you want to uh, give a hot take on the Eagles before you go? Uh, the Eagles is going to be a big old surprise for people this year. Okay. And I'm telling you, that rookie wide receiver, I forgot his name right now, but they first round. Jalen Rager. Yo, he's going to be the sleeping. He's going to be the 
Yeah, I told you. He did. year he had that huge game against the Redskins so I think like he has a good rapport with Wentz I think you know I think he could absolutely have a, a surprising like big year this year Appreciate you coming on. Jeffrey Moore, founder and CEO, Moore Financial Solutions. Uh, his book, My Cash Value is King, available on Amazon. We read it. We both loved it. Go out and buy this book. Um, go to his website, like he mentioned. Uh, we really appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun, man. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you guys. Have a good right, night. We'll talk soon. You too. Thank you. You too. All right. That guy's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Excellent interview again. Thanks to Jeff Moore for coming on and, and spreading some insights and knowledge and talking some sports with us. Um, you know, great interview, great guy uh, to know. So absolutely, guys, highly recommend go get that book. Um, you know, educate yourselves. It's, it's an easy read. Like he said, he purposely made it that way. And he's not exaggerating. And I, I, I'm not even exaggerating that it's, it's extremely easy read and, and easy to understand. Um, and you can tell that it's designed to do so. So um, highly recommend 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's, and it's only like 110 pages. I, I read it one, one sitting. So, you know, if you're, if you're not a big reader, you know, you, you still, it, I would definitely still grab it. It's not that, not that bad. I think you can get the Kindle version we had talked about. Um, but we would definitely appreciate him coming on. So this was episode 11. Like, rate, subscribe, leave a review if you really liked us a lot. That means a lot. Uh, retweet all those good things. Make sure you're following us on Twitter um, at all underscore in underscore pod. Follow the Rain and Bliss podcast. They're going to be coming out June 16th of that first episode. 
and check in with our website allinnetwork.net we got a lot of things going on there a lot of things cooking and we're going to be adding some more podcasts to this network soon so things are things are looking up i'm excited absolutely so appreciate you guys tuning in thank you again for tuning in to another episode episode 11 of the all in podcast um you know again you guys support means everything so thank you